Good morning. Yeah, good morning. It's six o'clock in the morning here. It's two o'clock in the afternoon here. <laughs> I still stand by the statement that time is weird. Time is very weird. I just finished watching um, episode three at like four in the morning for the third time. So it's got it fresh in my mind. Good. Well, as fresh as anything in your mind can be when you've been awake since four o'clock in the morning. Been awake this long. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Three o'clock in the morning. If you, if you finish watching it at four. Yeah. Yeah. Finished it at four. But how are you? Yeah, I'm not too bad, thank you. It's a nice um, sunny day for a change here in the UK. Yeah, it's going to be hot this weekend. I think it's going to be in the hundreds this weekend. Oh, crikey. Yeah, I was thinking of taking the boys to the beach one day, so we'll see. Oh, that sounds perfect. Chuck them in the sea yeah. to cool off. Um, yep. I live about five minutes from from the sea. We live virtually bang on the coast, but it turns out that the water board's been dumping raw sewage in the ocean near where I live. Oh, no. Yeah, so I'm not going to go in the sea. Why would they do that? Because it's cheap and we have a Tory government that doesn't keep them in check. That's horrendous. It is horrendous. What's the benefit of living by the sea and paying a premium for living by the sea if the sea is actually just a sewage plant? No, that's terrible. Yeah, and obviously the poor wildlife and what have you. But, yeah, for sure. But yes, so as hot as it might get here, I think I'm just going to stick to a paddling pool in the back of my garden. <laughs> I don't blame you. Yeah. So, where are we at? Where are we at? We are at Season 1, Episode 3, Contain the Flame. And... I have a correction to issue because we had a discussion just now. The air date when you'd pulled it up on your, I was going to say TiVo, but that's like 15 years old TiVo, isn't it? What do you have now instead of TiVo? Yeah. <laughs> Whatever your system is. Hulu. Yeah. I was looking at Hulu to see the original air date. There you go. And your original air dates looked different to my original air dates. They do. What we have discovered is that because certain websites are a little bit too clever and a little bit too sneaky, actually, they've seen that I'm in the UK because of my IP address and they've been giving me original air dates for the UK. But it airs later in the UK than it does in the US. Yeah. Because they make us wait. That's not very nice. It's not very nice. It's not very nice. But, you know, I'm going to try not to be entitled and say, why should I wait? You know, good things come to those who wait. So I'll continue right. to be patient and won't sound like an entitled brat and say, it's not fair that I should wait. However, <laughs> we did wait. We did wait. And so I've now corrected the air date on my notes and I've now found a place that I can see the air dates good. as they were in the U.S., and so going forward, those are the air dates that I'm going to use. So the air date for this one, I've even got it written the right way around for you lot on your side of the pond. So the air date for this Good. one is March 29th, 2018. I got the format right, did I? Yes. Excellent. So that was when it aired. 
it seems so weird seeing like 2018 because it wasn't necessarily that long ago but where we've had a global pandemic since then it feels like it was decades ago doesn't it 2018 it does but uh, this one was written by Wendy Calhoun and this is the only episode that she wrote she was a consulting producer for the whole of season one but she hasn't got any station 19 credits after season one okay and this was as I say her only writing gig for station 19 and it was also a one-hit wonder director as well. So Mary Lou Belly directed, and this is her only Station 19 credit as well. But this was quite a big episode, I thought. We had two big rescues and lots of personal insights into the characters to the extent that by the time I got halfway through doing my notes and we got to the girls drinking on the porch, I'd actually forgotten all about the cold open and that there was going to be another rescue because it was such a big episode. So... I certainly don't think that it was a lack of aptitude or that they'd put out a bit of a duff episode that Mary Lou and Wendy were one hit wonders because I quite liked this one. How about you? No, I enjoyed this episode very much. Um, Not, I don't, I don't really like love every episode in season one, but this one was one of my favorites as long as, as well as the last episode with the blue fire. I loved how Andy kicked butt. With the yeah. with the invisible fire, but this one was a good one too. Yeah, I liked it. I think I think Andy did, did kicked butt as captain. Um, I think Jack needs to slow his roll a little bit, even though he was right. Andy was following the steps and the protocol, and he needed to respect that, and yeah. he didn't. And and that's one of the reasons that I wonder if Jack would have been a good captain, even though Andy does that now. Yeah. But she doesn't do it all the time. She only does it when she feels there's imminent danger or death. You know what I mean? Um, Yeah. Much like Maya putting the young lad on the engine that got her demoted. Yes. Some might draw that parallel. They might. So (laughs) Andy's grown quite a bit as a captain. And... um. Maya's grown quite a bit as a captain too, but if I had to choose between Maya being captain and her and Karina taking her back, I'm gonna pick Karina taking her back. Oh come on, yeah, every <laughs> single time, every single time, and clearly Maya would too because she didn't chuck a hat in the ring. So yes, something we can are you all surprised agree that on. Jack didn't chuck his hat in the ring? No. Why is that? Because I think he's self-aware enough to know that he's not in any fit state. And he's not, he is also not a lieutenant anymore. And do you remember he had that chat with Theo and he said that he didn't, I can't remember which incident it was after, but they had a a tete-a-tete. And he said to Theo, I didn't envy you out there because I loved that I could just get on with it and I didn't have to make any decisions and it wasn't my call and I didn't have to make any tough choices. Oh, I think it was when they were going to leave Warren in the sober house fire. I think it was, I think it was that. He said that he could just work with the team that he loved and not have to worry. Yeah. He said, I could just be a firefighter and I didn't have to worry about making any decisions. I could just get on with my job. And so I think that that's kind of the headspace that Jack's in right now. I think he's had so many 
things go wrong and so many things happen for him and he's got so much going on in his head that I think it's almost probably like therapeutic for him just go out there and be given a task and complete the task and then go home and not have to dedicate any headspace to anything else and have to question himself question decisions you know and how that's going to affect him emotionally if he's making life and death decisions about his friends whom he considers his family so I wasn't surprised at all if I was Jack I think I'd have taken a giant step backwards (laughs) like make sure I'm nowhere near it nowhere near the thing right for sure which is obviously not the Jack that we've got in this season no the Jack in this season is cocky he's cocky couldn't be more different he's witty he's charming he's he's very different than the jack we have now oh yeah two different men now the jack that you meet in in real life he's the jack he is now (laughs) gray he's very good gray is very goofy he's very um laid back he's very funny yeah he's a he's a really cool guy to meet well he's a cat man anyone that has that sort of relationship with their cats is all right by yeah, me for sure there's the crazy cat lady over here but yeah should we jump in let's jump in see what happens so again cold open as we get with these episodes and it's a genuinely cold open because we've got kids making ice cream mm-hmm. and they are using liquid nitrogen to make the ice cream to impress their science club friends who are coming around for a party later on because their parents aren't in and they're taking advantage Um, teenage kids having an illegal party with liquid nitrogen. What can go wrong? Right. What can go wrong? But after the cold open, we pick up where we left off at the end of episode two. Yeah. So we left Dean sweeping JJ off her apartment floor and running out of her building, realizing that there's a fire in the crawl space. And so we pick up with Dean then carrying her out of the apartment building with Warren in tow. Um, JJ, I have to say, is very, very funny. I know some people found JJ annoying. I don't know where you are on the funny to annoying scale with JJ. I think she had moments where she could be funny and she had moments where she could be annoying. That's probably fair. She amuses me no end. Um, I loved that she was so upset about leaving her possessions in the apartment to burn. Yeah. Once you get to know JJ, that kind of fits, I think. So it's good that that's where we start with her. Dean tells her that it's just stuff and it can be replaced. And she tells him that her signed Purple Rain record isn't stuff. It's everything. It's everything. It's everything. And Dean is overly concerned about her and heroic. And he won't let her risk suffocation, even for Prince. Yep. Which I'm not sure where I sit on that side of the argument, whether it's worth risking suffocation for your favorite signed record i don't know gave me pause for thought but then we head over to 19 and then we hear the call to jj's apartment coming in and that's where we also pick up where we left off with andy and jack so they'd been having a bit of banter about who was going to crush whom in the captain's race and that spills out into this episode and they're still having that crushing argument as they put their turnouts on to go to JJ's and then Danielle Savory walks through the barn 
and steals the scene as she goes, as Maya tells Andy that her smack talk makes her feel like a proud mama. Right. And then if you recall the end of episode two, Ryan had picked Pruitt up from the hospital and had dropped him by at the station. So they're still there now at the the beginning of episode three. And he comes out of wherever he's been and tells Andy that he'll take Pruitt home, but to call if she needs him. And I thought immediately that they had the better chemistry than she'd been having when she was bantering with Jack. Mm -hmm. I agree. And you and I aren't the only ones that thought that. Jack clearly thought that as well, because he then bumps Ryan out of the way as he climbs up onto the truck like a petulant child. Right, right. Did you notice that? Yeah, yeah, very very childish, very, very childish, but hey. Um, Vic calls out to the captain to say that they're ready to roll, but both Pruitt and Andy answer to the call of captain before Andy sends Pruitt home and then the trucks roll out and leave Ryan and Pruitt alone in the empty barn, much to Pruitt's chagrin. Then on the way to the call, Maya tries to ascertain what's going on with Andy and Jack and what was behind the smack talk with just brilliant comedic delivery. And she figures out that they haven't talked anything through Andy and Jack at all. Without Andy even having to say a word, Maya just kind of keeps talking and keeps watching Andy's reaction. She's like, oh, there it is. (laughs) (laughs) And um, she says that Andy can keep secrets from everyone but her, so she shouldn't even try. Right. Then when they arrive at the fire, Dean gives Andy the update. She gives everyone their assignments and tells them no big swings, nice and easy. So it's only at this point that JJ has the realisation that Dean is the guy who runs into burning buildings while everyone else is running out of burning buildings. And she's already worried about him going back in, despite only having known him for like 10 minutes. But they're really flirtatious and really quite cute, I think. I think they were really quite two actually together. I would have liked to have seen their relationship flourish a little bit more before they had the baby and all of that took place. I think they could have been a cute couple. Yeah. And I think that the the chemistry between them has been fantastic. It was great when she came in with the fire alarm and it's kind of continued. Yeah, yeah. So they seem very easy with each other. It's really nice. I agree. Now, Jack tells Andy that he has recent knowledge of the building, but she dismisses it in the context of him trying to crush her because they've been having this whole, I'm going to crush, no, I'm going to crush, I'm going to crush you. And so... yeah. So rather than kind of leaving that at the door and taking on his advice, she just dismisses it. Then the battalion chief turns up, Chief Frankel. Andy and Jack banter about Andy kissing up to her, but Andy says she doesn't need to because her crushing speaks for itself, still with the crushing. We get some technical knowledge about the fire and how they're going to deal with it from Ben via Maya asking him what's going on and I know you quite appreciate all the technical stuff don't you you like all the technical fire stuff from the earlier episodes I I like learning about it I think it was cool to to um just to learn about it and not just have it be a drama show but an educational show 
I appreciate that very much. Yeah. Yeah. And it adds a level of realism to it as well. Yeah, for sure. And I thought that was quite a nice mechanism, actually, to teach us about the fire without, um, because it could possibly sound clunky and silly if two experienced people are just talking in these very technical terms about what they're going to do, because you don't really talk about your job, do you? Like when you're doing your job, as a general rule, you don't say, okay, now I'm going to do X, Y, and Z, because you know what you're going to do and your colleague knows what you're going to do because that's what you both do, right? Whereas Maya asking Ben in an educational setting felt a bit more natural. I agree because when you're right, like if there's a code at work, when there's a code, none of us are like, okay, we're going to do this now, we're going to do this now, we're going to do this now. We just know that the person's coding, that they're dying, if there's a code blue. And we all know what our step is to get the code blue to get the patient revived. So we're not sitting there explaining it to everybody. Even if it's a brand new nurse, we're not stopping to explain it. You, you train it, right? Yeah. And, and so it's, I just thought it was neat to learn about the different stuff. Yeah, and I thought that Maya training Warren and having Warren tell Maya and us at the same time, I think was a clever way of getting that technical knowledge in there and helping us I just thought that was yeah, quite smart for sure I agree yeah um Maya tells Ben to dial back his excitement and tries to calm him down because mm-hmm. to use a sports term he's steaming so you see it in like football when a goal's just been scored or in tennis if a player's had a runaway set and they get so caught up in the emotion of it that they stop concentrating on what they're doing. And that's when their opposition finds a way back into the match. So where Ben's kind of like on this high from what happened at the blue fire, he's not really concentrating. He's just running on all this adrenaline. And so it was nice to see Maya having another dimension, I think, other than being a comedy cheerleader. Because she's just been in there with like the witty remarks and being Andy's hype woman. And we see her here being cool, calm, collected and actually displaying really great leadership skills. Right. And then on the roof, we start to see how much the ethanol fire has affected Vic in the other direction. So Warren gets his hook stuck in the roofing material and then she uses her hook to unhook his hook and then they pull some of the roof away while getting it out and and this like giant fountain of flames shoots up and the shock of it literally knocks Vic back and off her feet and she's got this look of terror on her face kind of staring at this column of fire whereas Warren is thrilled by the whole thing right and then garners himself another telling off from Maya about dialing it down so that's where we sort of start to see Vic her bravado kind of slip I think this is like the beginning of it Andy puts Warren on staring at some pipes duty which he thinks is is a bit of a hazing and then Jack and Travis give Andy some info about the building to try and get the fire under control faster but again she dismisses their advice and again as she did by sending the aid car away she follows protocol and goes by the book says that she's not just going to skip steps on Jack's whim and then she further exerts her authority by having Jack call her captain and not Andy 
Mm-hmm. Yep. She says it's Captain today, not Andy. Exactly. Yeah. And he very pointedly was like, oh, Captain. Yeah. So that was a bit of a rough moment for them. Then back on the ground, Dean is checking in on JJ in between rescues. And it turns out that her sort of boyfriend is inside, but she's keen that Dean knows that he's more of a like booty call, a bit more of a convenience than a boyfriend. And then she checks again on the status of her Purple Rain record. Right. And then back on the roof, Andy's plan hasn't worked. So what Jack and Travis were proposing is what they do, and that does work. Then Ben finds out why he was told to watch the pipes, because they're now six inches longer than they were, which is evidence that the roof is collapsing. And then they all make a dramatic escape from the roof with less than 30 seconds to spare. Then once they're safely on the ground, Andy asks if everybody's out, and JJ's the one that lets her know that Dean's still inside. And then Andy... Don't know if it's a, maybe a bit of a dodgy decision to make, but she decides to berate the battalion chief for not pulling Dean out when she warned her that the roof was going to collapse because she says that Dean needs a direct order before he'll leave the building. So Dean will put civilian safety above his own safety until he's ordered not to. So, um, I mean, the phrase stupid and noble <laughs> springs to mind. Right. Then in the nick of time, Dean emerges from the building, having rescued JJ's sort of boyfriend and seconds before the roof does collapse. But JJ's immediate concern is for Dean. She accompanies Seth, the sort of not boyfriend, to the hospital anyway, but she's very clear with Dean that she's doing that as a human being and not a girlfriend. Right. Which was cute. Frankel wants an immediate debrief on the scene from Andy and Jack, who basically just bicker at each other whilst they give her a blow-by-blow of what happened. And then it's Frankel's turn to berate them, and she berates them both for being stupid and trying to one-up each other rather than working as a team. She says that Jack undermined Andy, but that Andy had ignored Jack's good advice and that they should figure out how to run it together or she'll find someone who can. And then we see Warren, Vic and Dean clearing up JJ's apartment and... Dean and Vic both tell Warren in their own way that he's making it way too personal. But Dean is obviously taking this one a bit personally because he's very happy with himself when he finds JJ's Purple Rain album and then he secures it safely <laughs> in her safely in her record cabinet. Yeah. I'll just say it again. Love JJ. Love her. Bit of comic relief. Great chemistry with Dean. I love that even as the door of the ambulance was closing, she's still looking at Dean. And the, the, the eye right. contact's only broken when the ambulance door closes. I just think they were great. They were just such a great couple. I agree, 100%. Loved her line that Purple Rain is everything. Her Purple Rain yeah. record <laughs> sums her up. Do you actually, do you have a must-save list? Like stuff that you would grab if your house was on fire? Um, my passport's. Oh, yeah. Good show. I mean, other than I mean, obviously, other than like my kids and my dog and stuff, but my my passports and like like my file thing that has like all my passports and my kids, social security cards and their birth certificates. I'd grab that file cabinet. Um, 
other than that, I think everything else is pretty easily replaceable. Yeah. You know, maybe, maybe my, you know, like my pictures of my babies as they were newborns when they were, you know, like with their footprints and things like that, that I could never get back. Um, or their first lock of hair, stuff like that, but everything yeah. else you can, you know, you can get back. What, what about you? Yeah. Cats. Well, cat, one cat, my dogs and one of my cats would get themselves out. But my, my very pretty delicate cat that you've, when I say met, I mean, you've seen her over the, over the internet, <laughs> but Willow, my main coon, she would just go hide behind a bed they're the first sign of trouble. So I'd have to hook her out. But apart from the living things, same as you, photograph albums with pictures in that predate digital images. Yeah. I'm pretty old. So I've had a 35 millimeter camera for most of my life. Um, so yeah, that. Uh, oh, I know what I should grab. I actually own an item of Brandy Carlisle's clothing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I have, um, well, you call it a vest, but I call it a waistcoat. But yeah, I should probably take that. And I have a guitar that's very precious to me that's older than I am. It's worth no money, but it was my dad's guitar before I was even born. And there's pictures of me wearing no clothes, just a nappy, dragging this thing around behind me. And my dad gifted it to me when I was 13 or 14. So although it's worth no money... It's a, it's kind of a big deal in our family, so I should probably try and grab that guitar as well. But yeah, other than that, I have some signed records actually as well, but they'd be a bit heavy and clunky. I'm not as precious about those as um, JJ is about Purple Rain. Let's let's just put it that way. <laughs> but yeah, so Purple Rain made it safe. Dean saved the day. He saved Purple Rain. It did. It did. Um, Andy and Jack's flirty fighting. I'm still... Yeah, what did you think about that? There is still no chemistry. I just... Really? I am not not getting the chemistry. And then when you compare it to when Andy's with Ryan, and then when you see JJ and Dean, I think that it's even more evident for me. The disparity in the the chemistry is highlighted even more for me when I see Andy with Ryan and JJ with Dean. I just still don't get it. Maybe I'm in a minority. Guys, let me know if I'm in the minority. I'm quite happy to be. I'm quite happy to be told I'm wrong. But that's just how I see it. I will say that Andy's chemistry with Ryan is significantly stronger. But I do think she has a little bit of chemistry with Jack. Yeah, I mean, like I say, I'm happy to be. It's just my opinion, right? It's just what I see. I don't see it. But I know that a lot of people are really passionate about Andy and Jack being like the it couple, like Andy and Jack yeah. game. Right. But I don't see that. I honestly think that Ryan was her person. I agree. And I, when they got rid of him, I think they ended that, that line too fast. I think they ended that line because they wanted her to end up with Sullivan. And I'm yeah. not quite sure I agree with that. No, no, because I really think that they were each other's lobster. Yes. But hey, and what did you think about her behavior on the roof, not listening to, because it wasn't just Jack this time, it was Travis as well. 
but she didn't take their advice. Then she kind of had Jack call her captain. Was she maybe overcompensating for something? I think Travis was a little bit calmer in, in the way that he was presenting it to her. I think he was just kind of backing Jack, in my opinion. So I... I didn't I didn't really think that Travis was as disrespectful as Jack was. No. And what did you think about Andy ignoring their advice? Um I don't think that she ignored it. I think she was trying to follow the best protocol that she knew how. Fair. Fair comment. And was Frankel right when she said, look, I'm not a kindergarten teacher? Is her attitude correct that they're just being completely unprofessional? Like, I think they're being very unprofessional. I think they were being unprofessional, but I think her comment was a little bit harsh. I think she should have, I think she should have considered that their captain and Andy's father just got diagnosed with cancer and that he's gone and that that's a heavy weight on them. And that they're trying to do the best they can and that they both just got thrown into this position. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, they should have been respectful. But I think the kindergarten teacher comment was a little bit harsh. I mean, she's not Miss Congeniality, is she? She's not the most tactful of humans. Right. (laughs) But I do think they needed a bit of a short, sharp shock. I do think that they have let the personal spill out into the professional and I think that in this particular situation perhaps their want to one-up each other one-upmanship maybe got in the way of the call going the way it should have because it should have been collaborative but I think I, I don't think Andy was right to have dismissed their advice right but I think that I can see why she did it because Jack approached it in an unprofessional way and because it was done in like this previously there was this context of oh I'm gonna crush you and so I think that she saw him as muscling in on what she was doing and trying to take control when actually what it should have been seen as was someone that had good up-to-date knowledge of what was going on and whose advice was very useful in this particular situation but because of the way that he came with it it wasn't taken in that way. So I think it was six of one and half a dozen of the other. I think they were both at fault. No, I agree. Um, do you think that it mattered to, um, I know Andy missed the part. I know when Frankel told Jack that her daddy didn't hand her her, whole, her role and, and Andy ran down the stairs. Do you think when Jack tried to redeem what he said to Frankel that that mattered to Andy at all? Uh, no, I don't think she cares enough about Jack's opinion. You don't? So, no. so saying that, she doesn't really love him then? I don't think she does love him. She just cares for him? Yeah. I think that he's a friend huh. with benefits to her. That's interesting. And he yeah. was all ready to marry her. Yeah. But I think that Andy sees Jack as a friend with benefits. Okay, fair. It's my opinion on that one. That's fair. Shall we go to... Well, I've called this 
Pruitt, Ryan, Andy, and day drinking. Because it's basically, <laughs> it's basically the stuff that happens outside of the station. Yeah, we have a we have about an hour fifteen before I have to get ready for work. So I think we can smash good. it out. We can smash it yeah. out. So Ryan has dropped Pruitt home and then offers to run some errands for him. But rather than being grateful, Pruitt just gives Ryan a really hard time. And then he brings up the fact that Ryan was a bit of a delinquent in his youth and says that Ryan's just buttering him up to get in Andy's pants and then just unceremoniously sends Ryan away. Then when Andy gets home from her shift, she starts telling Pruitt about what happened between she and Jack on the call over dinner. And then Pruitt tells Andy that she's been spoiled and that she's used to being able to speak her mind and get away with things with him, but that she's going to have to be a little bit more political with Frankel. Yep. And then he tells her that he's been making inquiries with some of his buddies about getting a little receptionist job because he's Mm -hmm. got cabin fever already and it's only been two days and Andy's not happy with that and wants him to just rest and heal but he loses his temper with her over it and he says he's not hungry slams down his fork and then storms off from the table and so Andy does the only sensible thing to do in this situation which is to call the girls over and do some day drinking of course I mean obvious move So Maya and Vic have come over. There's a six pack of beer and a bottle of vodka. And Maya raises a toast to Andy's first day as captain. But Andy can't let what happened with Frankel go. And ever the hype woman, the ultimate hype woman, Maya says Frankel just doesn't do compliments because she didn't get any and that she had it tough coming up. So she's trying to, you know, make Andy feel better about the situation. But then Andy says, yeah, and she thinks that I didn't have it hard coming up either, to which Vic tells her, well, you didn't. And in part, that's thanks to Frankel. So Andy then raises a toast to Frankel. Maya raises a toast to Andy. And Vic raises a toast to vodka. Maya says that Andy should treat herself, which then leads to a conversation about the importance of self-care. And Andy brings up Maya's running. But Maya says that running for her isn't self-care, it's self-discipline. And that self-care for her is lots and lots of sex. <laughs> and then she said men and women, right? Yeah, so Vic... So that's, that's the first time we find out that she's she goes both ways, isn't it? Yeah, because Vic yeah. casually says, is there a new lady on the horizon? And yeah, Maya yeah. says, more like a, a series of ladies and gents. Yeah. And that monogamy is for the weak or the very, very dedicated. Yeah. (laughs) At which point Ryan shows up. Vic says that he's looking very chiseled in the daylight. And then we get vintage season one Maya when she says, slow your roll, Hughes. We don't double dip. Yeah. And she was like, who's double dipping? Yeah. So Vic obviously didn't know that Andy and Ryan had dated, clearly. Um, Ryan makes a joke about citing them for drinking in public and he asks after Pruitt and Maya like calls him on it oh you came all the way over here to ask that did you (laughs) (laughs) at which point he confesses and says that he'd actually wanted to speak to Andy but he needs to speak to her alone so he'll come back later and Vic enjoys the view as he leaves saying 
well dipped, Herrera. Well dipped. Yep. So what did you think of Pruitt's attitude towards Ryan? Rude. Yeah. I don't like it. I mean, I'm not a parent, so I don't know that kind of mama bear, papa bear thing. Mm. Like, I don't know how that feels. You know, he's he's looked at him as his son, and I'm sure, and you know, and he's given him very son advice when he's had issues with his father, when his father comes back into the cast, and he's watched over him and watched over Andy, and now he's just trying to be a good neighbor and care for him and for him to do that I thought that was kind of rude I mean I understand that when you know as a nurse I understand when people are sick they just want to go home and take care of themselves and be left alone but I mean all he did was pick up his meds asked him if he needed anything like I didn't think he was being overbearing at all I just thought he was trying to help yeah samesies so and I also didn't appreciate and and I, I suppose that's what I mean when I say I'm not a parent so I don't know kind of how and you, your children are very young so I don't even know if you can imagine how it would feel at this point in time but I don't know how it is you know when you know that people are in a romantic relationship with your kid or you know and especially I think fathers of daughters probably have a particular feeling about men in their daughter's lives but I actually I didn't like it when he said oh you're just doing this to get into Andy's pants because a it's rude and it's disrespectful to Ryan because Ryan's not that kind of guy for a start and and I would hope that Pruitt would know that but definitely we know that because he was even funny about him and Andy hooking up when she'd had a couple of beers because he was worried that she couldn't consent so we know that Andy is like the last guy to try and do something to use Pruitt's terminology get in Andy's pants well and I agree but honestly Andy's a grown woman if she wants to get in his pants she's gonna get in his pants that was gonna be exactly my next point and also it's not up to (laughs) Pruitt who she allows in her pants yep she will allow into her pants whom she wishes to allow into her pants yep so sort yourself out son yep I agree Yeah, didn't like it, didn't like it. And then what did you think of Andy and Pruitt's exchange at the dinner table? Do you agree with Pruitt that Andy's been a bit spoiled? No, only because I was going to say yes, but I have thought about this question Ooh, okay. ever, sin- ever since I watched, because I watched, I watched this episode three times. And the first episode, I thought, yeah, I agree. But the second and third episode I watched, it was like, no, he put her in an an environment. He put her in that, in that, you know, to be with all those firefighters and to give her that, I don't know, I don't know how to explain it, to give her that kind of leg up. Yeah. So she has had a leg up. Yeah. And I think that, I think it's only natural that you'll favor your kid. So I think she is spoiled, but I also think that he spoiled her. Yeah, it's his fault. 
it's not even that he's allowed her to be spoiled. He's actively spoiled her. He has, yeah. So you can't say you're spoiled in such a way when you're the one that's done the spoiling. Right. So I think spoil was probably the accurate word, but I don't think that he is in any position to use it. I think what might have been a nicer way to put it is, look, I've let you get away with too much. I've done you a disservice because I've let you get away with too much and you're not going to be able to do that with Frankel. So I'm really sorry because you're going to have to have an attitude adjustment now and that's my fault. Right, I agree. And then who do you think was correct? Like, did you come down on a side between Andy and Pruitt when it comes to his recovery and his wanting to get a little job? Um, I thought it was a little bit too early. Mm. I think as a nurse, the body needs rest in order to heal. Yeah. And it, it was just a little bit too early for me to to get out there and start, even if it's just sitting at a desk, she was right when she said people come in here with immune, dis- you know, immune disorders yeah. and diseases. Yeah. And she was a hundred percent right. And, and, um, I don't blame her. So I actually agreed with Andy on that part. I could see both sides of it because I mean, I've got no medical background, so I take your word for it. That if you say yeah. it's too early for the guy, then it's too early. But, I just looked at it from the perspective of mental health having such a massive effect on your physical health. And he's such an action guy, like go, 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 go. And for him to be stuck at home for two days thinking about nothing but the pain he's in, feeling sorry for himself, am I going to survive? What's my life going to be like? Just I could just hear the thoughts going around in my head on his behalf. And so I I just looked at it from the point of view of like, he can either sit at home and dwell and drive himself mad. Right. Or he can sit in a building where there are other people for him to interact with and he can feel useful and have his mind taken off it. And it might aid him in the long run in his recovery just to not be caught in like a downward spiral. But I could completely see it when I put myself in Andy's position and think of my parents, I would want to wrap them in cotton wool and say, no, 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 just sit here quietly and don't move, please. So I can see both sides. You want them to live as long as possible. And when you, when you do that, it's, you know, it's, it's, um, you're putting yourself at a severe risk. So yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Okay, cool. And then the whole Frankel discussion that the girls had on the porch. I love that Maya always finds a way to back Andy. There's just true loyalty there. Yeah, there is. And Andy's complaining about essentially not getting the pat on the back that she thinks she deserves. Mm-hmm. And Maya is just trying to explain it away for her and is trying to, trying to give her that pat on the back by saying, there's a reason that you didn't get the pat on the back. It's not that you didn't deserve it. It's just that Frankel doesn't do pats on the back. I just love that from Maya. But I think Andy saying she's had a hard time coming up might be symptomatic of her being spoiled, particularly yeah. in light of Pruitt telling her, like just literally a few minutes earlier saying, well, I've always encouraged you to speak your mind. You know, I've always encouraged this right. 
from you. So if he's been encouraging her to speak her mind and been giving her opinions, validation this whole time, well, she hasn't had it hard coming up, right? She's been indulged by her dad. Right. I agree. And I think where Frankel has likely spent most of her career being ignored at best and probably being smacked down is at every point is probably more accurate of how she came up. So I do think it was a little bit naive of Andy, that little exchange, mm-hmm. possibly. Yeah. So I think Vic might have also been banged to rights telling Andy that she's had it easy and that it's on the back of women like Frankel and Frankel's generation. So I don't know if you want to change my mind. Have you got an opposing opinion? No, I just don't like it when people have, when it's like in nursing, in nursing, they call it dog eat dog. Um, And they say like, because I had it hard, I'm going to make it hard for you. And so that's disgusting. I don't agree with that. No, I don't. And so I don't think that Frankel has the right to treat Andy that way. And she should be encouraging. That's kind of what my, I don't know if you've seen this, it's upside down. I can't show it to you the right way around without dislocating my arm. I have this tattoo that says high women and high women is a, like a feminist movement based in music. And it's basically the, the premise of it is that there's always room for more of us. Mm -hmm. meaning women at the table and if I make it to the table I shouldn't just take my seat and be happy with it I should stick my elbows out and pull up a chair and make room for another person if I get my foot in the door I shouldn't slide through the door and let it slam behind me and think good job I'm in here what I should do is wedge it open and pull as many women through behind me as I can before the door's Mm -hmm. closed on me So I am 100% for that. She should be doing what the chief is doing now, what Chief Ross is doing now. She should be yanking Andy up by the britches and trying to pull her up, not slapping her down. But I also don't think that Andy should feel entitled. I agree. But yeah, I liked that. I love that whole porch scene. And we learn actually a lot about Maya in that porch scene as you said before it's very casually brought up that she's bisexual or queer she uses yeah. both she uses both so we can use both but we also learn more about her running because they the first thing that's brought up is her running and he says oh Maya you run so we've we saw her physically running in episode one then we heard about her running and her Olympic career a little bit in episode two Maya brought it up herself now it's brought up again so it's kind of being reinforced and it's becoming obvious that this is almost like an intrinsic part of Maya's identity is the running. And obviously we now know what's to come in both a metaphorical and very literal way of Maya's running. Yeah, and she kind of made a comment, I'm trying to remember what it was, that she, um, like, so it wasn't it wasn't for leisure, it was for... I can't remember what the comment she says was it's that not she made. it's not self care it's self discipline. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that was an interesting comment to me. Yeah, because it makes it sound like she forces herself to do it. Yeah, but it's not fun for her. It's something right. that she forces herself to do. Right. Yeah. Which, which, 
is very foreshadowing for a lot of episodes ahead. Yeah, yeah, completely. But yeah, I love the casual throwaway way that we then discover that Maya is queer, bisexual, pick mm-hmm. pick one, um, and that she also doesn't commit. And also, to me, it seemed like her friends associate her more with women than men because Vic asks about a new lady on the horizon she doesn't ask about men and then Andy I thought looked quite surprised there was kind of a raised lip and a raised eyebrow and like a little nod when Maya said and gents so it sounds like they're not kind of used to seeing Maya with men so I found that interesting as well yep and so I'm not I'm not that familiar with season two. I've only watched it once in English and once in Italian, which didn't go well for me. But I'm trying to think of the order that things went in to see where you would have come in with Maya. So because you started watching with the episode before Ripley's death, right? Which is quite near the end. Yes. So, So you would have seen Maya and Jack there affair yep but you'd have missed Myra and Jack fighting over the police officer during the CPR training yes and you would have missed Dean bringing I saw that I saw the scene where I saw the scene where they were they were flirting over to see if she who could get her first and then I saw the scene I saw the scene where Dean brought in his girlfriend and Nikki and Maya was like, Oh, we used to date. Yeah. I saw okay. Those right, 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 right. Yeah. Cause I couldn't remember what order that came in. So I thought that you'd started watching after all that happened. So, yeah. so you maybe wouldn't have known that Maya was queer until she started dating Karina, but you had seen that. Right. Yeah, I had. Okay, so it didn't come as a surprise to you kind of thing, having missed no. this and missed the Dearborn thing, which I think was at the end of season one. Okay, yeah. that's fine then. That's fine then. So, I mean, it's difficult for you to comment, I think, knowing what you know now. And for me, I knew she was queer when I came to the show because I came to the show specifically through her and Karina. Right, right. But when I've watched from episode one, she reads as really queer to me from episode one. So I wouldn't have been surprised if I'd watched it from the beginning in episode three for her to say, oh, yeah, there's like a cure ladies. That didn't come as a surprise to me because I find her really readable as queer. But what do you think? Do you think that that Maya's played in a queer way or do you think that it would have surprised people? No, I think she does a good job portraying it very much. Yeah. And that makes me wonder then if Danielle knew that Maya was queer, either when she auditioned for the role right, or when she right. was given the role and was given a bit of a character outline and, and you know, right. if that was one of the things in there or whether she just played Maya in the way that she played her and somebody saw it and thought, you know what? She's kind of readable as queer. Let's write it in. I wonder mm-hmm. which it was. If it was the yeah. choice that Danielle made that made somebody pick up on it and write it in or whether whether Maya was queer mm-hmm. from the start. Mm-hmm. Things like that just interest me. Be a good question for the writers for sure. 
yeah yeah but is there anything else that you wanted to say about all the stuff on the porch or the stuff with Andy and Pruitt no I think it's getting very exciting to getting in, into these earlier episodes and just remembering how good they were yeah and um I'm having a good time good me too yeah so the second incident which I'd forgotten about <laughs> when I was doing my notes because so much has happened already but there's the second incident and before we go to the incident Andy turns up at work and finds that Jack is in the captain's office he's come to work early and he's already done absolutely everything much to Andy's displeasure and she's like oh what about like checking the CO2 yep done it he's literally got all the bases covered yeah yeah and then he says that he's switching it up and so he's not going to be micromanaging and he's not going to set any hard and fast rules and um with some eye encouragement from Maya Andy argues that that's the the wrong approach but Jack overrules her and it is his day as captain to be fair um but Andy sticks to the schedule anyway because she says it makes her feel all warm and fuzzy inside and perhaps for the first time I agree with Andy yeah I agree too she just made me feel warm fuzzy too yeah Maya runs into the hose room, pumping weights, closely followed by Vic, who has some news for Andy because Pruitt has found a desk job and it's at 19. Andy is decidedly unimpressed because she's worried about him, as you said, interacting with the the public with a compromised immune system. But Jack's the one that approved it and so she's angry with him. And Jack tries to reason and say, look, he was going to get a job somewhere anyway. It was either here or 23, and here is closer. And if he is here, you can keep an eye on him, which I thought was reasonable. But Andy says, well, he's just going to be underfoot. And Jack says, no, no, actually, I think his input's really valuable. So they're at loggerheads again. And then Pruitt is watching them wistfully. Mm-hmm. 'Cause they're arguing in his office or <coughs> what was his office for so long. And then he gets really upset when he hears Dean coming down the pole behind him. Yeah, he's like, What the heck? I know. You're gone for two days. And the the rug's ripped out from under you, poor guy. Um but then Andy goes to the barn to vent to Vic and Maya, and Maya suggests that she clears the air with Jack, but Andy says she's just gonna let him do what he wants when it's his shift as captain and she's just going to be the best lieutenant she can be. And then Maya says that he's using her good soldier attitude against her. But Andy says that maybe he's just doing his best rather than trying to get a competitive edge. And then Vic and Maya both emphatically disagree. He is absolutely not. He is going to try and get that competitive edge. There's no just, everyone's just doing their best. It's a full on competition. But the call comes in, and when they arrive at the scene, Vic is noticeably happy that it's a medical and not a fire, which Warren calls her on. So we're seeing like a little thread starting to form here. And then we see the kids from the cold open, plus more besides, and they're all passed out by the pool. And it turns out that the liquid nitrogen that they were using to make the ice cream, they've also poured into the swimming pool, so now they're all asphyxiating. One kid wakes up and immediately yells at his sister, which gives Myra, gets her to insert a little bit of comedy again, but with a very deadpan, 
he seems learning oriented. And then all the kids start to come round and we hear a splash. And it turns out that Jack has been, some would say reckless, as Andy pointed out, I think in the pilot, that he does reckless things. And he's jumped into the pool to rescue a kid because he's counted kids and he's counted pairs of flip-flops and he's noticed that there are more flip-flops than there are kids. Yep. And then once they rescue him and drag him out, Andy seems to have a little bit of a change of heart because she gives him puppy dog eyes and a bit of a soft smile whilst Meyer and Travis tend to him. And then outside the aid car, Travis says to Andy that Jack is always a few steps ahead of everyone else, which the flip-flops thing was evidence of. And then he gives Andy a bit of a hard truth, which is that in his opinion, Jack is more prepared to be captain just because he's had practice, you know? And he he says, you're just too green and I lost a husband to a green captain, so I know the cost of that. Then we see Ben struggling to let a patient go to the hospital without him. So we see again that there are times when he's still thinking like a surgeon So we've still got that thread carrying through. And then we get a really funny girl squad conversation in the engine on the way back, in the truck on the way back, because Andy tells Vic and Meyer about what Travis said. And Vic's like, he's green, like a booger. Um, (laughs) Really mature response. Um, Before reluctantly admitting that Jack did kick ass on the call. And then Meyer, bless her heart, reframes it again really you know solidifying her position as Andy's hype woman and so she reframes it and says well he's keeping pace so what but Andy then cuts her off Maya tries to follow that up with a bit of a pep talk and and Andy just Mm -hmm. cuts her off and says that she doesn't need Maya to coach her and it's her race and Maya looks really hurt and even Vic kind of looks around like what So that was a bit of a sour end to that scene. Frankel's waiting for them back at 19 and she asks Jack if there are any problems between him and her this time. Uh, And he stands by his call on the roof, he says, but that he knows his conduct could have been better and he'd respect the decision if it took him out of the running for captain. And Frankel says that she's impressed that Jack can admit to a mistake and tells him how hard it was for her being a female firefighter and says she had to earn the respect of her subordinates, but that meant that when she made captain, because they knew that she'd fought her way to the top and hadn't had anything handed to her by her daddy, that she did have their respect, and she says that she knows that Jack is coming up that way too. And she respects him for that. So Andy hears that part, and as you mentioned earlier, what she doesn't hear is that Jack then defends her and explains that Pruitt held Andy back because it served him to have her mopping up after him. And that Andy is actually the reason that the place ran so smoothly under Pruitt's leadership. Which I thought was big of him. Yeah. But in the locker room, it's now Vic's turn to help Warren in the way that he helped her after the ethanol fire. And he explains to her that he's struggling with no follow-up and not seeing how it ends And um, Vic says that it's better that way. Then JJ turns up at 19 and her sort of but not boyfriend, Seth, has sadly passed away. 
And yeah. she seeks she seeks solace in Dean. She does, which I think she liked him right away, to be honest with you. So. Yes, yeah, yeah. But I think that that speaks to their connection as well, that it's not just kind of a sexual flirty thing. Yeah. That when she was feeling low, there was obviously something about Dean that drew her back to him. So that was nice. And they have a bit of a moment because before that, it's all just been lots of flirting and lots of banter. We call it flanter over here. I don't know why it's one of of those stupid made up words, but yeah, flirty banter is flanter in the UK. That's cute. Feel free to take it, use it. It's yours, Tiffany, have it. (laughs) (laughs) So it's nice to see a departure from the flanter and actually see something real between them. So I liked that. Then Andy checks in with Pruitt that her promotion was warranted and it wasn't just nepotism because she's obviously feeling bad about what she heard Frankel say. And then I felt like she finally found some common ground with her dad because they're both finding it difficult to stand back and do nothing. They're both sort of struggling with that, you know, watching someone else take the reins. Right. And then Ryan turns up and interrupts their conversation and finally gets Andy on her own. He says that he's upset about Pruitt still seeing him as the stupid kid he was. And much like Andy was just seeking some clarity from her dad, he's trying to do the same with Andy. Ryan's trying to do the same with Andy and make sure that Andy doesn't think of him the way that her father does. Right. And he says that he's been through stuff and he's all grown up now and Mm -hmm. that he couldn't sleep without getting that off his chest. And then he strategically, I think, just leaves and lets Andy think on that, just lets her ruminate on that. And again, there was like some voiceover that I didn't pay any attention to. And there endeth the episode. So what do you think about Andy's and Jack's positions on the Pruitt situation, on Pruitt getting a job at 19? Are you team Jack or team Andy? Or neither, or both, a team Andy. I'm I'm team Andy, 100%. But I think it's the nurse in me. Yeah. So based on the fact that I think what Jack said was absolutely correct, which is he was going to get a job somewhere anyway. Like no one's talking Pruitt out of it, right? Decision is made because he's that kind of bloody-minded guy that if he says that he's doing something, he's doing it. I think in that case, I understand. But getting a job, period, I side with Andy. No, I think that's fair. So. But for me, in this situation, which is that I think Jack's absolutely right. If Pruitt says that he's getting a job, he's getting a job. So yeah. on that basis, I completely agree with Jack that it's closer to home and Andy can keep an eye on him. And he's with family, right? If Pruitt's there, he's with family. It's geographically closer, but everyone there is his family. So it's his second home. Plus Andy is there. So everyone's invested in him. Everyone can keep an eye on him. They've all got his best interests at heart. And because it's a familiar environment, it will cause Pruitt less stress because he's not learning new things, learning new people. He's literally gone from home to home and it should cause Andy less stress as well because she can literally go see him whenever she wants. She can physically see that he's there and that he's okay. 
So I have to say that as much as I'm not a big fan of Jack Mark 1, love Jack now, but not a fan of Jack yes. Mark 1, this Jack, I have to I say agree. I was on his side on this one. I thought the man's got a point. I agree. We're agreeing a lot today, aren't we? This is good. We are agreeing a lot today. We are agreeing a lot today. Um, I noticed I didn't think it was Jack's job to give her the heads up. She was like, well, you could at least give me a heads up. I don't think that's Jack's job to give her a heads up. I think that if I was Jack, I would have assumed that Pruitt would have told her because they live in the same house. Right. Maybe that's just me. What about what Travis said to Andy about her being too green? Was that justified? I do not think it was justified. I think it was justified that she was too new of a lieutenant. Mm-hmm. But I th- I think she was basically acting as captain for a long time behind her father. And so I do not think she was green in that way. Yeah. But I do think she was green in the way that Travis was per- trying to portray i just don't think travis was fair in considering all of the things that she has done for her father okay we might disagree a little bit at this point then so (laughs) yeah um but i think based on the day's performance that day's performance i think he might have a, a point because they could have lost dean to that collapsed roof because she disregarded relevant knowledge about that specific building and she took Uh the generic by the book approach. But sometimes you can't, sometimes you have to skip ahead. And I think that in the situation, if you know something, uh, you know, Jack and Travis had knowledge of that building. But sometimes going by the book gets people killed too, though. Yeah. I mean, not not going, not going. Yeah. Sometimes going rogue. Yeah. Yeah, sure. And it was also Jack's quick thinking and action that potentially saved a child's life who could have drowned otherwise. Now, now that I agree with. At the second scene. That I agree with. Yeah. So maybe there is a lack of experience and a lack of confidence in her decision making. Not so much in her other abilities, but maybe in her decision making. Right. And that's what makes her rely on the book. Like she's staying in her comfort zone. Like if I follow the rules, everything will be okay. And more right. experience and more positive outcomes with, with more experience and more positive outcomes under a belt, her self-confidence might improve. And then she would right. be more free in her decision-making. Um, exactly. Which is what I think makes her a better captain now. Now. Yeah. And and yeah. I'll also say that it's not her fault that she lacks the experience because Pruitt has held her back. So now she's now, trying... now you're going to have to quack me out because Andy kicked ass when <gasps> she when she um, was captain in the in the season finale. Yeah. So you're going to have to quack me out. I will. I will quack you out. <laughs> in fact i think the world deserves to hear you say a bad word i'm not going to quite that i'm leaving that i'm leaving that <laughs> shit in <laughs> she did though let's just she be did. fair no she absolutely did but again like that's six years of experience and she's had a go yes. at being captain at 23 but at, 23, at this point yes. she's been a lieutenant for two days and she's already trying on the captain's hat and so right. i think that right. at this stage 
and it's not even that she's trying to run she's being asked to run before she can walk so I think possibly Travis based on the day's performance and Andy at that time might have had a point I'm going and especially because it's going to be emotionally loaded for him because as he said you know I lost a husband to a green captain and so there is a a real life cost to it so I didn't mind and it's Travis he says things so nicely I mean he couldn't have he he couldn't have been more gentle about it so yeah he couldn't have so for sure and then what did you think about Andy's attitude to Maya in the truck on the way back when she said basically keep out of it I don't need you to coach me this is my race not yours I think that that was just her having a hard time I don't think she meant it and I think she she eventually apologizes for it which I think is is the right thing to do and um I think it was just emotions yeah for sure I just felt bad for Maya she looked really hurt and I think that yeah, she's really too. lucky to have someone who has her back unconditionally and especially in such competitive environment. Yeah, I absolutely love their, I love their friendship 100%. Yeah. And I just always think it's amazing when women have each other's backs and support each other like that. But I just felt like maybe in this situation, it felt maybe like, for me, it felt like Andy was taking Maya for granted a little bit. Yeah. The way she did that and it just hurt me for Maya. I love Maya. So, I love Maya too. I also really enjoyed, I, th- I know we talked about it earlier, but Jack defending Andy to Frankel, he didn't need to do that. And God, I, that's twice that I'm actually saying nice things about Jack Mark one today. But I thought that it showed integrity on his part. No, I think, I think um, that Jack showed a lot of integrity in this episode. And I really, I really cared for his character in this episode, for sure. Yeah. yeah. I don't think I'd be that strong that I cared for it. <laughs> but no, he, he impressed me more today. And I did think that that showed integrity. Yeah, I agree. And integrity is important. So, Oh, massively, massively. Yeah. Did we miss anything? Is there anything else you wanted to say about this episode? Did I skip over anything? I don't think so. I think we did a really good... A really good description. And I think overall, this was a really big episode. We had, it was. We had two big incidents. We moved some personal storylines along as well. Mm-hmm. We had two great girl squad scenes, which I wish, I wish, I wish there were more of those. So yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I think we're still too early in the show to see themes emerging. Right. And I think we're still in the getting to know you phase with the characters. So I don't think that we're in a position to see too much personal growth at this point in time. Yeah, which is hard because we've already seen all these, all these ones, right? So we're, we're trying to look at them through open yeah, eyes. So you have to try and keep your eye in the here and now rather than looking ahead. But yeah. But did you have a favorite scene? Did I have a favorite scene? That's hard. Probably the scene. I can't remember if it was episode two or episode three. Which scene was it when um, when Andy and Jack 
flirted that they were going to crush each other. Well, that straddled. I think it was at the end of two and then at the beginning of three, they were still going. I think at the end of two, I think the camera panned down and they had their hands on the desk like a couple of inches apart. But I think that when we picked it up in episode three, the call had just come in. And so I think they were more sort of on the move then still saying, I'm going to crush you. I'm going to crush more. Okay, and then I loved the whole scene with Ryan and Andy, and I loved the whole scene with um, Maya and Andy. So I have several favorite scenes in this yeah. episode. I liked the porch scene. Yeah, of course, that's always a heavy favorite. Yeah, so I mean, for me, that was just a standout. And I think, you know, the other day we were saying that we probably would have watched the show had we seen it from the beginning, but we wouldn't have been so into it. Yes. I think that having seen that scene, if I'd seen it from the beginning, I would have thought, oh no, this is my show. That's what would have excited me about going further with it. But obviously, hindsight being 2020, we know that unfortunately that was kind of isolated that we don't get we don't yeah, we get don't that. get a lot of that yeah for sure so i think that 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 was my favorite scene and i wish that it hadn't been such a standout i wish it wasn't so conspicuous by the fact that it, it was the only time we've ever really seen it yeah i agree 100 percent. bittersweet bittersweet for sure yeah did you have a favorite line or a favorite bit of dialogue I think my favorite dialogue was between Frankel and Jack and Andy. Yep. I liked that one a lot. Yeah, it was well written. It was very punchy, very pacey. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Um, I picked just two really silly lines just because they amused me from the porch scene. Um, so I loved Maya saying, slow your old Hughes, we don't double dip. <laughs> It's just funny to me. And um, Vix, well dipped, Herrera. Well dipped. Just really liked it. Yep. It's just fun. Um, most gifable moment for you? Probably one of the porch scenes, maybe when Maya like tipped her beer and drank it or something. Yeah. I chose from the porch scene as well, them kind of doing cheers, like cheersing with their yeah. little shot glasses. I can imagine sending that to a group of friends, you know, yeah, in a group WhatsApp or something. I can imagine like yeah. sending that gift. Um, or even Vic actually in the back of the truck when Andy's kind of dismissive of Maya, Vic's like, huh? Yeah. That was quite a that was quite a good one as well. But yeah, no, I like that we both chose something with an alcoholic beverage on the porch. Yeah. That rounds things off nicely. So episode four is next it's called reignited and the logline slash synopsis says andy and jack disagree over spending decisions at the station okay so that's our next one Alrighty. so should we say ciao for now to folks yeah thanks everybody keep sending your emails keep sending your messages i was checking the emails yesterday and i didn't see any new ones so Make sure you send us in some messages so we can respond and let us know what you want us to do.
Absolutely. And thank you, Angie, for your email. Thank you so much. And I was late in my reply, for which I apologize. But you've got a reply waiting for you there, Angie. So much love to you. Yeah, I didn't, rep I didn't mention that one because I saw you replied to it. Yeah. But yes, thank you, Angie, very much for your email. We always appreciate hearing from you. Okay, everybody, what well, was good for chat for now? Yeah, and we'll see you all back here, same time, same place. <laughs> we'll talk soon. For 104. Bye, guys. Yeah, bye.